Let us pray. Precious Father, I want to thank you again for the privilege you have tonight to study your word. We trust this program into your hand. That Lord, you give us the utterance, the boldness to speak your word. And I will trust you to cause your word to enter into the heart of every hearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our topic is uh, Praying to Get Result, Part 3. We started this thing in December. We continue because we devoted this time to prayer. Now, the text comes from John chapter 15, in verse 7. <clears throat> it said, if, watch the word if, conditional, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. If you ask what you desire, anything you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. This fruit right here is not the fruit of character alone. It's so that you bear the fruit of answers to prayer. So that you get your prayers answered like he got his prayers answered. So that you are his follower in getting your prayers answered. And that when our prayers are answered, God is glorified. So this word, so when he says bear much fruit, it's not just the fruit of the spirit and the character. But it's also now includes this thing he's talking about. That we get our prayers answered and God is glorified. God is glorified. And that shows that when it comes to prayer, we are also following his footsteps, getting our prayers answered. So let's see some truths that scriptures teach us as regards prayer. Number one, it says, pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, many Christians don't understand the importance of this. John 16, 23. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, 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 verily is emphatically saying, I'm telling you the absolute truth. I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father, the Father in my name, he will give it you. Whatsoever. 24. He that, quit means before now, he that have you ask nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. In verse 26. He says, at that, at that day, you shall ask in my name. At that day, you shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. I'm not going to pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me. I have believed that I came out from God. Now, Jesus was introducing something very, very critical, very important. You see, at this point, when, when he taught them had to pray as John taught his disciples. He didn't talk about praying in his name. He was with them. Number two is that the Old Testament was still in force about that time. The Old Testament was still in force about that time. The New Testament had not been established because Jesus had not gone to the cross and had not died. So as the New Testament was about to be established, he was going to now leave them they were going to come into a new covenant. So he introduced something they never did before. He said, before now you never prayed in my name. Now you are going to ask the Father in my name. This is a New Testament concept. 
This is a New Testament concept that comes after Jesus is glorified, after he rises from the dead. So he says, in that day, that day does not mean a particular day. It means in that dispensation, in that dispensation that is coming, you are going to be using my name. Just like also, he said we should use his name to cast out demons. Use my name to cast out demons. You don't have to fast anymore to cast out demons. But he says, now you use my name, cast out demons. You use my name in prayer. My name has been exalted. So it's a New Testament concept of prayer, to pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Now look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 to 8, and they read verse 13 again. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I would make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob, verse 13. In that, in that he says a new covenant, he has made the face obsolete. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to, be, to vanish away. Now, a lot of Christians do not understand the difference between the Old Testament and New. And because they do not know that, they bring old cloth and patch it to new cloth and it rains. That's what Jesus was saying when they are talking to him about fasting. He was trying to tell them that it's not about your works. It's about what I came to establish for you. A new garment, a new righteousness, a new, a new wine, the spirit of God, the spirit of God, the man. A new, a new vessel, the new man being created. It's not about fasting. Fasting will give you these things. So a lot of Christians don't understand that there is a world of difference between the Old Testament and New. So they, they bring Old Testament practice and quote scripture and say it sees in the Bible, but they don't understand context. That the Bible says that old one has, God made it obsolete and took it away. And the Bible says it's unprofitable. So you find a lot of Christians taking examples from, you know, they say, oh, Elijah called fire, so who called fire? You're wrong, sir. Very wrong. Very, very wrong. Like I said the other time, Jesus' disciples say, call fire like Elijah did, Elijah did. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You have a different spirit. You don't do that. And isn't it amazing that we have this beautiful statement that Jesus made and Christians don't even know it. Jesus said, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than all these prophets. All of them. From John the Baptist, all of them. The least in the kingdom. Carries the presence of God. Carries the spirit of God in him. The, the Bible said that these prophets, when they are prophesying about this things, they were tasked, they were yearning, they wanted it, and they were told it's not for you. Brethren, what we have is amazing. We are sons of the living God. People in whom God lives. So the, the New Testament is totally different. The way we approach God in the New Testament is so different. The prophet of the New Testament and the prophet of the Old Testament, they are not the same. They don't minister on the same level. They don't minister in the same way. Even the, the priesthood of the New Testament, the Bible says it's Christ himself, the high priest, and we have become priests under him. And the new, the, our high priest does not die. The blood is the blood of God, the blood of Jesus, not anymore. 
And the New Testament is about spiritual things. The Old Testament is about carnal, the Bible calls the carnal ordinances. It's about carnal things, temple built with hand and all this. No, God said the new temple is going to be the one I God built, not with the hands of men. It's so superior. It's totally different. So when you understand that Jesus was going to introduce to them, that in the New Testament, the way you come into these days of the New Testament, that I'm going to establish with my blood, that you are going to be using my name in prayer. Because I'm the one that mediates this covenant between you and God. I'm the guarant of it. Again, this will be regretted that many Christians do not understand the mediatory role of Jesus in their life. Look at Isaiah 53, 6 to 7. All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Not going to. Laid on him. You know, when people come to Christ, and we are praying to, for God to forgive them. It means we don't even understand what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible said God was in Christ, was in Christ canceling our sins. And begging us, telling us to go take this ministry of reconciliation to people. And tell them, hey, come to God. Because God has made Jesus to be seen for you. He made him to be seen for you. So that you can be righteous. It's been offered to you. Come. But many Christians don't understand it. And they think this is a religious arrangement. No. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I'm laying foundation here because I need, to, I need to explain to you why you pray in the name of Jesus. So all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was laid as a lamb to the slaughter. And the sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He carried, he went as a sheep, as a lamb. And the Bible says, please God to smite him. Let he, our sins were judged on him. All of it. So what does that do to us? What it does to us is that because, I want to listen to me. You need to understand this. Because our sin has been judged on him. Because he paid with his blood for our sins. He mediated peace between you and God. That's the only way peace comes between you and God. He mediated that peace. So you say, you go my name to God. When you go to God in my name, I mediated peace between you and God. I took, your, I took the punishment for your sins. I shed my blood for you. And so between you and God, is, that's why God is, is not counting the sins of the people. Because Jesus had borne it all, mediated peace between us and God. Prince of peace. Hebrews chapter 9, 13. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies, bodies, bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from simple, sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God by the power of the eternal spirit. 
Christ offered himself to God as a perfect, perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why. That is why. Church, that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive eternal inheritance. God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first command covenant. When Jesus mediated this peace between us and God, and we come by accepting this mediation that he carried out, by accepting Christ as our, as our Lord and Savior, as the one who saved us, the one who mediated this peace between us and God. We don't come because we mediated, you know, it is him that mediated it, that paid for our sins. My sin was laid on him. He shed his blood, his life for me. And by doing that, God is now telling me to come. No more problem. There is peace between you and me. Come. And Jesus said, yes, go in my name. And say in Jesus' name, by the authority of what he has done, by the authority of what he has done, I am here. God will never reject you. No. So the scripture called it a new and living way through which we come. What Jesus did on the cross. Hebrews 10, 18. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. So when you ask God to forgive you and you are fasting for it, or you will eat, and you're sulking, you're a waste of time. You don't know the Bible. There's no, God doesn't need any, there's no other sacrifice needed for sin. Our fasting this period is not so you have sins are forgiven. Some people, when they commit sin, they start fasting. They want to pay penance. You are wasting your time. The scripture says, and when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. It's no more needed. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood, he's created, he's pre, he mediated peace between me and God through his blood. So the Bible says you can come boldly now. You can come in his name. I say, yes, I came, I come in his name. I come by his authority. I come based on what he did for me. 20. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Use the word curtain. Just, just to, to, again, like, you know, uh, uh, the curtain in the, old, in the old tabernacle that was separated the people from God. When Jesus died, it was ripped. So it, it, it's, it's using this word to say, hey, the body of Christ is like the curtain that was ripped, that has, was ripped to open the way for us to get into the, into the presence of God. Now, in verse 21, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere heart, fully trusting him, fully trusting him, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. I mean, we should understand this. That Jesus said, that day, pray in my name. Go in my name. I mediated peace between you and God. Go, say to the Father in, my, in the name of Jesus. I come by the authority of Jesus. He sent me. He told me that there's peace between me and you. He said so. So I come in his name. I come by his authority. 
I come based on what he represents, the mediator of peace between you and me. The mediator, don't forget the word peace. Because the Bible says he came preaching peace. If you forget the word peace, you, you won't understand what he did really very well. Understand the word peace. He mediated peace between you and God. So there's nothing anymore. You can go boldly. So you go in his name. Jesus saying that day, if you ask anything in my name, the Father will give it to you. Because I mediated peace between you and him. I mediated peace between you and him. Now, Ephesians 2, 18 says, Now, all of us can come to the Father through the, the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Because of what Christ has done, we can come. What did he do? He mediated peace between me and God by his blood, by his death. He carried my sins. My iniquity was laid on him. He paid with his life. He shed the life. His blood represents life. He died in my place. Took my punishment. And so because of that, I have peace with God. And so I can go boldly without any fear, without any fear at all. And Jesus said, nobody comes to the Father except by me. Now, there's this man who thinks that uh, he's the one that mediates peace between him and God. So he went on his own self-recognition. Unfortunately, again, a lot of Christians do not, they can't, they can't resist the temptation of going to God to present how good they are and how holy they have become and how wonderful they are. They just can't resist it. Because and then if you tell them no, that God would accept you with that, they fight it because it's like you're taking away from them their sense of pride and achievement. They, feel, they fight it. They will fight it. But somebody went on his own self-recognition, and God didn't look at him. God didn't look at him. We can't go to God on our own self-recognition because there is nothing you do there's nothing I do that mediates peace between you and God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. You must remember this. And give Jesus all the glory. And humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Luke 18, 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. And many do. That they were righteous. Now, despised others, which is a natural consequence of self-exaltation. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. Ah, these people are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. And really, really, that's the life of the Pharisee. Say, so how do you know? Paul told us concerning the law perfect. They were strict laws for the law. They were. So what he's saying here is not a lie. They were people who were really, really strict laws for the law, but they were wicked. They were wicked. Jesus said to one of them, say what you have and give to the poor. He went to himself. They didn't have the love of God. Again, that's, that's the point of the Old Testament and the New Testament. They were wicked. It's in the New Testament that the love of God was poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit. So he thought that he has achieved acceptance by all these things. You remember Paul said, I found out that these things are worthless. 
He said, these things don't bring me to God. He said, I really found out that's worthless. He said, now I've embraced Christ. I want to be found in him so that I receive the righteousness that comes by faith in him alone, which people are struggling with up to today. I'm not the one that comes from what I have done. For it is Christ that mediated peace between me and God, not me. I'm not my own mediator. There's nothing I do that will pay for my sin. And this man thinks that he stands before God sinless. He has forgotten that all we like sheep has gone astray. We have all sinned, falling short of the glory of God. He forgot that. He thinks that it's not true. So in verse 13, and the publican standing afar off will not lift up so much of his eyes unto heaven, but smote up Upon his breath, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So this man said, I have nothing to bring here. I just don't have anything. I just depend on your mercy, which means we depend on the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. Fourth thing, Jesus told us how this prayer panned out. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who, everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. He that him humbleth himself shall be exalted. So, no man can be accepted before God based on his own self-recognition, based on his name. We have no name recognition before God, nobody. I don't care if they call you prophet, uh, whatever name <laughs> you take. I respect the name, to God be the glory. But that, that does not mediate peace between you and God. It's a call of grace. God called you. Based on grace. Never meditated it. Never. He called people from their mother's womb, but he didn't wait for them to come and be. You don't merit these things. Everything God does for us on this earth, you don't merit any of it. Don't even merit salvation. God gave us salvation free of charge. That's why I say freely you receive and freely you give. The day you think you merit anything, you are out. I don't merit nothing, don't merit nothing. We all depend on the mercy and the grace of God. So in Romans 3, 20, it says, For no person will be justified, no person, people, will be justified, made righteous, acquitted, and judged acceptable in the sight, in his sight by observing the works prescribed by the law. For the real function of the law is to make men recognize and be conscious of sin. Not mere perception, but an acquaintance with sin, which works towards repentance, faith, and holy character. So that <clears throat> nobody can be accepted before God by what they do. Again, good works has its place. Believe you me, if you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your life will change. Good works will be as a result of that. Good works is really a proof that you are saved. It's a proof that Christ is working in you now. It's a proof that you are saved. If you don't have good works, you, you, you don't have any proof that you are saved. You have, you have no proof. Because faith must have works. So you are saved to produce good works. You don't produce good works to be saved. Don't reverse it. We don't reverse it. So we're trying to say that when we come to God, Jesus said, come in my name. Because I'm the one that mediates between you and God. You can't come to him except through me. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Number two, pray his word back to him. 
pray his word back to him, your strongest reading is his word he spoke to you. That assures you that you are in his will. In prayer, state your case. Your strongest case is, Father, you said so. This is what you said. That's the strongest case. The strongest case. I heard about Wigglesworth. He would go to God and say, Father, this is what you said. Do it. You said this. I expect it done. Now, let's see. In Isaiah 43, 26, remind me of your merits through a thorough report. Let us plead and argue our case together. God said, come. Come on now. <laughs> let's talk. Okay? Let's, let's, let's talk. State your position that you may be proved right. Come and state your position. Let me know if, if you really know what I said. Come and, come and state your position before me. So we need to have his word abiding in us and motivating our prayer so we know what we are stating. That's why I said in John 15, 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. So you have to have the word abiding in you because when you go to prayer, that's the word they are going to present and be talking about. We say the first one, you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now the second one is that you pray his word back to him. Now remember the prayer of Moses. Look at, that's a typical example. Exodus 33, verse 12. Verse 12. One day Moses said to the Lord, listen to what Moses said. He said to the Lord, you have been telling me. <laughs> you are telling me, you're telling me, this is your word. You've been telling me, take these people to the promised land. But you haven't told me who we, who you will send with me. You have, you have not told me. I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. Verse 13. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your way so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. He's making a case. Prayer of petition. He's petitioning God and making a case. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. Moses, I will be with you. And I will give you rest. Everything will be fine. Moses said, it's not me. Look at it. And Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, with us, he said to Moses, listen, I'll go with us. I'll be with you. Don't worry about it. Moses said, I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about your people. They're your people. Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't take us. Don't make us leave this place. Us, not me. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people of the earth. He says, Lord, it's your people. Yeah, you can be with me, but it's your people I'm talking about. Because you told me to move them. So you see, he started making his case. By telling God what God said. And based on that, he, put, he said, God, these are your people, Israel, the covenant people you have. See the early church in New Distant. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own com companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, 
they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, now listen to this prayer. Lord, you are God. They started with praising God. You are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. He said, this is what you said. You said this thing, God. You are God, you said this. This is what you said. Let me read it again. He said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, you said, God, you said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So you said it to, you said this thing. Then they said, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word and by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through, through, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. This is true, Jesus. They didn't say, so signs and wonders should be done. Say, so let's go. No. Through Jesus, the mediator of this covenant. The mediator of peace between us and you. Through Jesus. But they told him, God, this is what you said. I don't know how many, I don't know how many minutes this prayer go, went. I don't know whether it was prayed, prayed or not. I don't know how many minutes. And they said, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name, through the name, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaking. Men, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. You can go further and further and see what happened as a result of this. So this again is how we are sure that we are praying the will of God when we pray the word of God to him. The Bible said, 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. So people jump into prayer like we are doing praying and fasting. They don't go to scriptures to prepare their heart. How will faith come for you to pray by faith? If not, if not that faith cometh by hearing the word of God. Is it not what I say that watch nice service that uh, John, was, John was saying in Luke chapter 3 verse 4. He said as it is written in the book of the word of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying the witness, prepare the word of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, the rough ways smooth. The all flesh shall see the salvation of God. He said, prepare your heart. Crooked places, things, things in your heart that is crooked. It's not in line with the word of God. 
all the, all, the, all the valleys and hills, all the things we believe that is not in line with the word of God concerning what you're talking about. You need to go to the scripture to straighten them all out so that now your heart is ready to pray because faith has come. You have now begun to believe and agree with God and you go to God in prayer. We jump into prayer and then we go there and be complaining, thinking that complaining is prayer. Murmuring, thinking God is impressed. Sulking sometimes. Being angry, even accusing God and wasting our time. None of which is prayer anyway. So we need to really, really prepare our hearts in this period that we are fasting and then praying. Now the way you get the word into you is by meditating on the chosen scripture. You know, David looked into his bag and chose one stone. Into the bag of the Bible, there has to be one stone. There has to be one scripture that deals with your Goliath. There has to be one scripture you have to pick, pick that deals with that situation. And then begin to meditate upon it day and night, confess it day and night. I ask God to cause this word to enter. I said to the Lord, this word must enter into me because if it doesn't enter, I won't produce it. You know, we can say things just by the leaves, but it's not in us. Just by the leaves, and you lose. So the way we get it is to meditate on it day and night and say so. I try to say it to myself. I spend time saying it over and over and over and over and over. I spend time doing that because I know, I know that if I don't do that, that word may not really go, go in. If it goes, it may not stay. I, forget, I, could, I may forget it. I do that a lot. I spend time, people. I spend time. I spend time, wake up, I start going through scripture upon scripture, upon scripture, and then thanking God as I'm lying down there. I'm thanking God. I said, the word says, give you praise. I appropriate it. It's mine. Your word is true. The works of Jesus is true. Every word of God is true. The word of the enemy is a lie. All his works are lies. Father, I believe your word. I, you said in this scripture, I will quote it to him. I would, my eyes, is, I'm just, you know, it takes you time to wake up. I don't know what happens to me. It takes me a while to really wake up, wake up. Sometimes when I wake up, I want to read the Bible. My eyes, it's not really, it's not really tuned to the light yet. So I'm just doing that. And people, you could be there for one hour, two, without even knowing. Proverbs 4.20, my son, attend to my words. Give it attention now. Let it prepare you. You want to meet, you want God to move? Yeah, prepare you the word of the Lord. Sure. Attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from thy eyes. Because out of sight is out of mind. I am so strongly convinced that this is why many people are confused. They don't get answers to prayer. Because they don't have the word of God in their heart. They don't have it living there. And Jesus said, if it abides in you, then that's when you ask. They, they don't do, we don't do it. We don't. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from before thy eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. 22, for they are life unto those that find them and help to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth that says something God didn't say. Don't say what God didn't say. And because of perverse lips, put far from you. So you need to watch what you hear, what you read, 
who you listen to. You need to. It's save your life. You have to be careful. This is not a question of argument. If you listen to the wrong thing, it will wreck your faith. It's you that will pay the price. You. Look at Numbers 13, 31. They listen to the wrong people. It wrecked their faith. There are people who are doubt peddlers. They are doubt peddlers. There are people who peddle wrong doctrines. You should be careful, people. These are dangerous, perilous times we live in. When the Bible says be careful, walk circumspectly, listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Numbers 13, 31. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. <laughs> 32. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, Is it that land through which we have gone to search it? It's a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in, the, in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, sons of Annas, which come to come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Chapter 14. And all the people lifted, listen to what this report did to a whole, a whole nation. And all the people, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. And the people wept all night. It can wreck your faith, people. <laughs> you can be, stand and believe God for your healing. You meet these peddlers, that peddlers, they, by the time they start talking about that disease, you are, you are half dead. Oh, they tell you, my friend, you need to be wiser. Ah, we know, especially they know about it more than God. By the time they give you a full report, you are dead. Half dead. Look, learn to keep your issues to yourself. Learn to keep people away from it totally. I'm telling you. That's what uh, the prophet told to that woman. He said, when you bring the pots and bring them into your room, close the door. Don't let your neighbors come in. My friends, when you bring your pots of blessing, close the door. Don't do yapping with everybody. Think everybody knows, believes in God or believes the Bible. It's not true. Some people are addicted to, the world, to this world and their knowledge and, and then the things of this world. And they, they carry Bible they don't believe in. It's called mental, mental ascent. Do not. Don't. The longest day you live... Keep your stuff to yourself, my friend. Be very careful who you share with. You should share with people of like-minded faith who will, who will give you the word of God, give you encouragement, you know, pop you up, man. Don't go to this doubt. There are many people in churches, they don't believe the Bible. There are many religious people come in and go out and dance and dance. You think they believe it, don't believe nothing. Absolutely nothing. Verse 2, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses. Look at that. And against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore had the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wife and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? They wanted to go back to the world. They are looking for a prophet now who will solve their problem. The word of God is no more sufficient for them. 
the word of God is not sufficient anymore. To them, it doesn't work. Because if that peddler has sowed in their heart unbelief and evil report, they found no sufficiency in the word of God. They, they don't have any more confidence. They don't trust the integrity of the word of God anymore. It's, it's not working. They need something that will work. Something that will work. Number three. When you stand praying, forgive and forgive yourself. Number one, you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Number two, you pray his word to them. And in doing that, meditate on the word, prepare your heart. And don't let anybody sow unbelief and doubt into your heart. There are many people doing that. Many. Even from the pulpit, you can hear that. Then number three, when you stand praying, forgive even yourself. Forgiving ourselves is a major issue. Many people can forgive others easily, but they won't forgive themselves. They will not. Somebody called me one time. He said, Pastor, ah, if you know what I did. Ah, he said, I've not left my room since morning. And it's 3 p.m. I said, really? I said, so stay in your room. <laughs> is that what washes away your sin? All that staying there, is that penance for sin? Is that another sacrifice? What does it, what, what of what relevance is And by, Why are you even bothering my life with it? What do I have to know? Since you know what they are doing, you should go ahead. Don't come out to stay. Sleep, don't come out. Stay there. I said, what kind of, what kind of thing, what, what Bible are you reading? What faith are you practicing? You think God is impressed with that kind of junk? When God says, if you, for, if, you, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you, they won't believe it. It's, the word is not sufficient for them. It's not. They want something, feelings. They want to have a feeling that God has forgiven me. They want to see an angel come and say, no, God has forgiven you. They want a prophet to give them what they call prophetic word. <laughs> They're going looking for prophetic word. They have the Bible. They have the Bible. And Peter said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. You do what to look at it. No. Until somebody says, I have prophetic word. But the Bible you have, the, the word of God, God talking to you, it's not enough. We must learn to forgive ourselves. Be humble enough to know that you have done something wrong, that you are not, you are not as perfect as God. None of us is, and we keep stumbling from here and there. It is humility to accept that you did something wrong. Number two, you are not the only one. I do things wrong. Everybody does. We are not perfect yet. Until we receive, until this, our natural body is taken away. We have to be, we are stuck with it until Jesus comes and gives us the new body. We are stuck with this. Paul said we groan in here wanting to be delivered from this body because we desire to be perfect. But because of this flesh, he says it fights this way, this way, fights it. Just, it is absolute reality. So you must learn to forgive yourself and move on. I met one sister. I said, Pastor, huh? He said, Pastor, yeah, Pastor, what I did 12 years ago, I said, 12 years ago. <laughs> Hey God, it. 12 years ago, he said, Pastor, if you know what I did 12 years ago, I said, my friend, just give me a, leave me alone. Leave me alone. 
So we need to forgive people. We need to forgive people. Forgiveness is very critical. And let me say something. If you don't forgive yourself, you are opening the door to the spirit of the, the, the spirit that perpetuates unbelief and doubt. It's a very dangerous spirit. It's a killer spirit. The spirit of unbelief and doubt. That's the spirit that perpetuates, that makes, accuses people. It accuses you and keeps making you feel guilty. If you allow that spirit into your life, man, it's not telling what it would do. It's a dangerous spirit. It's a very dangerous spirit. If it's not effective, why is it accusing us day and night? Why? It's because it's a way it's attacking your emotion, attacking your faith, taking away your confidence, making you disbelieve God, thinking God is the one punishing you. But God laid the punishment on Jesus. But now he's telling you, no, God is laying it on you. And you believe him. And you know, the things that we struggle with in life, if, you, if we keep looking at it, it becomes big. The thing will rule you. But if you take your eyes off of it and leave it with God, pretty soon you will forget, forget it, will forget you. God, go away. We, we, just, we just exalt these things by always looking. You know that's how the devil got Eve. He said, see this fruit, eat it. And the Bible says Eve looked at it and it was good to the eyes. She ate it. It's always using this looking thing to get us. So you look at what you did. You focus on what you did. You're all talking about what you did. You know, no more joy. You won't see no more. You can't sing again. You think you're going to hell. <laughs> but God said, if you, if you confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Why not simply believe God? And in Mark eleven twenty five to 26, it says, And whenever you stand praying, whenever, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That Jesus saying this, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. You know, some people read this and they say, Oh, well, does it mean that we are no more under grace, that God didn't judge our sin on Christ? No, it's all in line, completely in line, totally in line. The Bible teaches us that we are responsible for the consequences of what we do. That's why if you steal God's tithe, devourers will come after you. For the same reason. If you steal God's tithe, God's money, or you, steal, you are stealing, devourers will steal your Jesus said, whatever I want people to do for you, to first do it to them. It's a law. It's a spiritual law that stands. Oh, yeah, we go to heaven by, by faith in Christ alone. But remember that if you have faith in Christ alone, that faith will produce good works. I said it, that's proof you are saved. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. If, that, if you don't have that fruit, it, people should die whether you are saved. First John said, proof that you, are, you belong to God is the life you live. So when we are living in unforgiveness, that is as bad as any sin in the world. And it causes spiritual blindness. And when you are in spiritual blindness, people are telling you, you need to forgive. You are no more seeing anything. Because you're so, you, 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 look, you want vengeance. You come and say, yeah, I forgive you, but you have not. 
in your heart, it is eating you up. It's, it's eating you. You can't, you can't take it. And the worst about it is that you have done stuff like worse than self. We know this has come out of hatred and bitterness. So somebody says, it's in New Testament. James chapter 2. I think James is New Testament, verse 13. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. That's the Holy Spirit writing to the church. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What you make happen to others, what you get. What you sow, you reap. Look at this, First Peter 3, 7. It says, husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. Listen to this. As to the weakest vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life. Both of you have the grace of life, but you do this, it hinders your prayer. Yeah, you have the grace of life. You are saved by grace. Now you have life from Jesus. Look at it. Both of you have the grace of life that your prayer may not be hindered. What I says by faith, sure, but the Holy Spirit says, if you, if you, both of you, it's not people really think it's, it's talking to the husband, they don't know. It's talking to both of them. If both of you are not honoring one another, which leads to resentment and bitterness, it will hinder your prayer. Likewise, he said, likewise. Likewise is, like I told these people, likewise you husbands do. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker verses, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. So there are things you do, hinders your prayer. So there are things you do, when you go to pray, Jesus said, your prayer will be hindered. Forgive them. Forgive people. Forgive. Don't hold it against them. Supplication, number four. Supplication is the right attitude of prayer. Supplication in prayer, not casual, nonchalant approach. It's not like, you know, you are gambling, whether, whether it will work or no, 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 no. It's an attitude that shows that God is the only person who can do this thing. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. In everything by prayer. He mentioned prayer and supplication. It is just a prayer. And supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. What is supplication? It's to entreat humbly for something. To ask with all your heart and humble and humility. Have a strong desire. Like there is no second plan. You do it or nobody else can do it for me. You look for no second chance, no second plan. This is it, Lord. You ask entreating God with humility. It's called supplication. You bring your prayer with the attitude of entreating God with humility. Asking God with fervency, with strong desire and humility. In Deuteronomy 4.29, But if from hence, this, thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart, with all that so this is called uh, supplication. You pray, you seek God with all your heart, 
which means I don't have plan B, I don't have plan C. I don't. You see, when we have plan A, I mean plan B, and we have somebody we trust, we have other plans we have made, we can't pray with supplication. We can't. Because while we are praying, we have, we have backup. <laughs> we, you know, because if it doesn't work, I'll go and see this person. We are, make, we are making our plans, and while we are praying for something, it doesn't work like that. When you go to God, you don't have any other plan. plan. It's either you or nothing. Once you have plan B, you don't trust God with all your heart. And you can't seek him with all your heart. Because you have substitute. You know, I was talking about the faith of God. The faith of God is faith that God practices. God believes in his word. You know, there are different types of faith. People believe, the Bible says some people uh, trust in horses. Some in chariots. Those are faiths, now. Nah? <laughs> they trust in horses. People trust in chariots. These people trust in their uncle. Trust in their intelligence. Trust in their money. Trust in their connection. Trust in their smartness. Trust in their degree. Chariots, horses, different trust, different faith. But we trust in the Lord our God. That's the faith of God. God believes only his word. When you come to pray and you have this faith in this Faith in prophet will pray for me. If it doesn't work, I look for prophet. You cannot pray with proper attitude. You, you cannot. You don't have faith in God. You don't. Let's see an example. Mark 7, 25. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard about him, and she came and fell at this. Tell me if this woman has a second plan after in this prayer. Just see the attitude. Verse 26, the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. She kept asking. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. Ah, for it is not good to take the children's bread, throw it to the little dogs. It's the place the woman would have gone home. They were, ah, but if you don't want to, it's okay. Because if the woman had plan B, this is a point where he would go to the plan B. And say, well, this doesn't seem to be working. I have plan B. But she had no other plan. None. It's called faith. So look at it. Verse 28. And she answered and said to him, Lord, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Lord, I don't have any other plan. Crumbs I will eat. You are the only one who can do this. Thing. I'm not, my confidence is not in any other thing except you. Verse 29. Then he said to her, listen to this church for this saying. Oh, learn something. Jesus said, because of what you said. Jesus said, because of my anointing and power. No, no, no. For what you said, woman. For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your That I think he's going to go. He said he has left. When you said this, that demon left. When you exercise this unflinching faith in me, you don't have any other plan. This is supplication by excellence. This is a woman saying you are nothing. He said, when you said that, the demon left. Because faith is your victory. He left. He left. Can we compare it with when you murmur and complain? Then the demons come. They don't go. They come. There are things you say, they go. There are things you say, they come. That's why this is 
The Bible says if you don't control it, you ruin your Christianity. 1 Corinthians 10.5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our example. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. 7. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Eight, now let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Now let us tempt God as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Now complain. Now complain. As some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as example. And they were written for our own admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. The Holy Spirit said, learn from this. These things attract demonic spirits. They do. Complain, murmuring, gossiping. He makes them come. They come. Jesus said, this one you express faith in me makes the devil go. But this one that people murmur against God, murmur against his word, complain about this. All the story they tell is about what is happening to them. Sometimes I wonder, why somebody never tired of telling this kind of story? Why, every time you see somebody telling you about this happening to me, how does the person get out of this? Murmuring, complain, murmuring, complain. It, it made the devil come. Number five, be specific when you pray. Be specific. Don't pray general things. You know, I ask people, I say, what, what baby are you expecting? I say, hey, pastor, anyone. And I say, you don't get anything. Just forget it. It's not any one thing. You think God decides for you? Is it God? That, my friend, it's not, it's not like that. You have to make your request known to God. Do you want a boy? Do you want a girl? You need to be specific. So in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway, side begging, 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now he's asking for mercy. Then the mercy of God is a lot. People, verse 49, and Jesus stood still. And commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he called thee. 50. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What would thou that I should do unto thee? You think Jesus didn't see him blind? But it's not Jesus that decides what he wants. It's him that will decide what he wants. Make your request, no? Mercy. A lot of things. God, everything God does is mercy. No? So you say, what do you want, sir? Have mercy on you. Which one? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. This is what I want. Specific. He had mentioned it. Then, and Jesus said unto him, go thy way now. Thy faith had made thee whole. And immediately he received the sight and followed Jesus in the way. He said, your, conf- your, your continuous supplication, that it was, it was like 
if, if this is my opportunity, this is the one who can do it. This is it. I got to get it. He was shouting. He was yelling. Against every opposition, he continued to yell. Jesus said, that's it. This man has no plan B. No, no, there's no plan B. Because if you have plan B, you, you are not as, as, as uh, committed to, to asking like you should be. You're not. Because you have plan B. Now. If it doesn't work, now, I can do this one. So you need to respect it. Then the last one thing we're discussing is learn how to receive from God and keep this. And keep it. Learn how to receive from God and keep it. This is as regards your personal desire, people. Not prayers for another person, but your personal desire when you pray. Now, in Mark chapter 6, verse 2, and when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Ah, ah from whence had this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Verse 3. Then they looked down on him. Familiarity breeds content. Familiarity will rob you of your blessing. I'm telling people the truth. Get too familiar with God, familiar with the Bible, even familiar with people God put over you. You get too familiar, you don't respect them anymore. My pastor, when I got saved, taught us this in workers' meetings. He said, the Lord told me that you people are losing because you don't have respect for your pastors. You don't have respect for the pastors I put over. My wife we said, was there when you were teaching us. He said, familiarity makes you lose your blessing. What you don't honor will not bless you. I've said it over and over, that's true. What you don't honor, forget it. And if you don't honor God, he won't honor you. It's a law. If you honor God, you honor what God has put in place. If God puts this thing in place, honor that thing. David honored Saul. Even when Saul was wanting to kill him, he said, I will not stretch my hand to touch God's anointed. If he touched that man, he will never be king. He never did that. Familiarity. So in verse 3, they said, it's not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, because this is a village. They know him. He grew up there. It's not, it's not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and Judah, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us. And they were offended at him. They say, you did mighty works, but we know him now. Ah, he, he, he was brought up here. They were offended. You think they will be excited seeing this thing? No, they got offended. Mm. Verse 4. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own king, and in his own house. A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own key, and his own house. That's why he doesn't have honor, because of familiarity. Verse 5, and he could there do no mighty works. I thought this is, Jesus is anointed without me. Oh, I thought once you have the anointing, you do miracles everywhere. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. The Bible says, work out your salvation. You got to work out what God is doing. You got to cooperate with it. You have to have faith to receive it. 
It's not, it's not the, the, I don't know how people think that Christianity works. They think it's a matter of, let me look for anointed man of God. They go there, I anoint him, perform. <laughs> they fall down and get up, nothing happened. Anoint him, perform. So they think if it doesn't work, the man is not anointed. That's ignorance, going to sit. It is ignorance at the level you need help. I'm telling you, you need help. You have to exercise faith. Faith is receiving. You, if you don't receive it, you don't have it. Scripture said, let not that man think we receive anything from the Lord if we don't exercise faith. Here is the Lord Jesus himself. Look at verse, verse, verse 5. And he could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hand upon a few sick folks and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. It was their unbelief. They couldn't accept him because they were familiar with him. He's a carpenter. He's this, this, this. It didn't work for them. People, this is the fact. There's no, there's no magic about these things. James 1, 5 to 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who does is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he shall receive anything from the Lord. You can't receive anything from the Lord, whether you stand a man, not a man of God. Is it not God giving you? Is it the man giving you? The Holy Spirit, Spirit said you can't receive anything from the Lord. Nothing from the Lord. You can't receive anything from the Lord. Why? He is a double-minded man and unstable in all his way. He will not believe God. He can't believe God. He's double-minded. Say, praise the Lord today. God gave me tomorrow. I don't know what's happening. You can't get it that way. There has to be faith that receives, that says, this is mine. Faith is saying, this is mine. I have it now. That's how you receive. This is mine. I have it now. And then how to keep it is to keep saying, I still have it now. Mark eleven twenty two. Then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it. Really believe it will happen. And have no doubt in your heart. Verse 24. Then he brings it to prayer. He said, and I tell you, you can pray for anything. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you have received it conditionally, you have received it. It will be yours. But if you say, I have not received it, it's not yours. It's simple. You must say, I have received it. Then it becomes yours. It is not yours before you receive it. If you say, I have received it, if you believe you have received it, then it is yours. That's the way you receive anything from God. Then the enemy will come and create, oh my God. I was, I was walking at the park, and then I, man, I had some of these symptoms that came. And the Lord said to me, the devil is trying to prove all those things you are confessing before you came here. He wants to prove whether you believe it or not. So he's bringing this thing. And I say, yeah, that's what he He's bringing this thing so you can change your testimony. He wants to prove you. All that you are saying before you came out, confessing and thanking God, he will challenge you in the real life. He will. He will challenge you in real life. He will create that thing that is opposite. So that, so that you say, oh, my God, I thought I got this. No. Oh, my God, this is taking too long. Oh, my God. And the moment you change your testimony, you are toast. It's over. You lost it. Because you receive when you say, I have it. You lose when you say, I don't have it. It's simple as that. 
It's not complicated. He will try his best to create a situation to frustrate you so that you change your testimony. Oh, but he does that. Mark 4, 16 to 17. These likewise are the ones sown in stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, like, you know, confess the word. When you are confessing it in your room, and then he will leave you alone. <laughs> you are confessing. You are excited. You are on cloud nine. He said, they receive the word with gladness. They likewise are the ones, these likewise are the ones sown in a stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no roots in them, and so, and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation, when tribulation or persecution, tribulation, trial, symptoms, <laughs> tribulation, trouble arises, tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake. Because of that thing you are confessing, because of that thing you said you have, the devil will raise this thing because of that word. No other reason. For the world's sake. So, are you surprised that things go here where when you say, I believe God? This is what is happening. He said, because they don't have root. It's, the word is not in them. They don't meditate on it. They don't, they, it's not rooted. Immediately, they stumble. They give up. So, I thought it. I thought. God. And then, this is unbelievable. And that's when some people go and pray some more. Jesus didn't say pray some more. He said, believe you have it, it's yours. He didn't say when you don't see it, you go back again and start praying some more. No. Believe it's yours and you have it. If, if you missed it, you go back to your confession. You go back and say, no, I still have it. Lord, I have this. I have it. I receive it in Jesus' name. The scripture said it. I have it. And then you start praising through supplication, through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. You keep your thanksgiving going. Hebrew 10.23 tells us how. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. If you waver, you receive nothing. You lose it. For he is faithful that promised. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you for the word you gave us this evening, preparing us to pray to produce results. And you want us to produce results so our joy will be full, so that your name is glorified. These are the ways we know the reality of God in our lives. Father, I pray that you cause this world to have entrance, to be alive, to be alive in our hearts, so that we are rooted in them. So if the enemy brings all these contrary things because of the world we have believed, we will not change our testimony. Ah, we will fight it out. We will fight it out. We will keep saying it is written. What is written is written. Devil, you want me to change this testimony? I'll frustrate you. The word of God remains yes. Remains amen. I've received it. I'm not walking by sight. Walking by the truth. Father, raise people of faith that you use to turn this world around. People who will believe you and say it shall be even as he have told me. In any circumstance, in the storm of life, like Paul was in the storm, he said it shall be even as he had told me. Be of good cheer. People who will bring the good news, not doubting peddlers who bring sad news, destroy the faith of people. Father, raise them. Raise them. Raise them. 
laborers, people who will go with good news, who where they say there's a casting down, they say no, that's a lifting up. God is God. All the Davids who will go and say to all those Goliaths, today the Lord will show you who he is. Raise them in families. Raise them, Lord. This is the way we take this gospel to the world. We have to demonstrate your kingdom, the reality of your kingdom. Because there are so many doubting Thomases. People don't believe you anymore. People find it difficult to believe the Bible. Lord, raise people that will be witnesses, true and real witnesses, filled with your spirit, filled with your word, that will demonstrate the reality of God in the midst of this doubting Thomases, that your name be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.